Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. What is this? What, what are we doing? What in God's name are we doing? What? Our lives! What, what kind of lives are these? We're like children. We're not men. No, we're not. We're not men. It's the nightcap. Are we going to be sitting here when we're 60 like two idiots? We should be having dinner with our sons when we're 60. We're pathetic. You know that? Yeah, like I don't know that I'm pathetic. On WGR Sports Radio 550. So then you asked yourselves, isn't there something more to life? Yes. Yeah, well, let me clue you in on something. There isn't. Do you ever get one of those days where it kind of feels like the day before you get sick? It's kind of what I'm feeling right now. It's not quite, like, I don't feel sick. A little weird. Kind of like that, that, that feeling you get the day before you really get hit with uh, whatever you get hit with. It's not why I wasn't here, by the way, the last couple days, but I'm, uh... I, w- I don't even want to say under the weather. I'm not under the weather, but I can see the forecast. And it's coming. There's rain in the forecast for tomorrow, as far as I'm concerned. So maybe the weatherman will be wrong, and I'm hoping that's the case. I should probably not go much further down this analogy, because I will get lost in it. What's up? Jody Biasi here on the Nightcap. I'm, uh... I got some fresh ideas on the mind. I'm, um... Thinking a lot about the Sabres today. I have not been on the air since the... Reports came out that they have not interviewed Ricard Gronberg. We'll talk some NBA later on in the show. Nate Geary is going to join me in about an hour. Um, Bill's rookie minicamp underway. That started today. And uh, Tyree Jackson is, uh, like, I, I didn't expect to think about him today, but Mike Schoep brought him up on the afternoon show, and I've been thinking a lot about him since then. So we'll touch on uh, what's, what's going on with the Bill's rookies as well, talk a little bit about the Bills. Kyle Rudolph's name is appearing again in trade rumors. We'll go over whether you think we think that's a good idea for the Bills. Uh, he's got one year left in his contract, so it's an interesting one. Tight end. They could use it. They've been looking at him, but uh, we'll get into that a little bit later as well. Starting with the Sabres, though. Coach search keeps going, and I open up Twitter when I wake up the other day, and I see Ricard Gronberg not even interviewed by the Buffalo Sabres. 803 is the phone number, by the way, if you want to get in on this. I, I'm just looking at that, and my immediate reaction is, head in my hands, not surprised at all, just typical. Typical. The new, creative, fun idea that you'd like to see one of your sports teams do, they don't even explore it. And it would have been one thing if the Sabres had gone through this exhaustive search. Is it exhaustive? Maybe they're just waiting around for someone. I don't know what they're doing. Maybe Botchel's focused on Team Canada. I'm Completely and fully. Maybe he is. I don't really know what's going on with it. But one thing we do know is they're not even entertaining the idea of Ricard Gronberg. And to me, that is just a joke. That is just a joke. It's one thing if you didn't want to hire him. If the Sabres had 
taking a look at him. They interviewed him, and they talked to him, and they said, you know what, this just really isn't our guy. Like, we're not going to do it, and we recognize why fans like the idea, but we're not going to go any further. To not even talk to the guy, to not even explore the idea, to me, is just it's a bonehead mistake. You want to be thorough, don't you? You want to have an exhaustive search. You want to make sure you're getting the right candidate. And here we go, and we're sitting here again, and we're talking about two former veteran coaches, one of which I would defend them hiring. Like I like the idea of it in Dave Tippett, but you end up at Jacques Martin without even talking to the Gronbergs of the world, then I'm going to have zero faith in this whole regime going forward. Because... That's just inexcusable. How can you go through a coach search and get to Jacques Martin before even talking to the Swedish coach? How? How do you even get there? You're in the same country right now. You're in the same tournament. You have an opportunity, and you don't have a coach. It's kind of setting up because the couple of John Shannon reports today on the matter that they're not going to interview Todd Richards. Okay, I like that. I was never a fan of him. As an idea, he's coached in the league. That should not be a qualification. That should not be an immediate qualification for you. If you've coached in the NHL, it shouldn't. Ju- it should take more than that. And that's kind of all, all I'm seeing with Todd Richards. Six years of head coaching experience, one playoff season. Why am I doing that? Just because he's coached before? And Travis Yost, talking about it a little bit earlier on our station, how it's the same guys that get the same jobs, and I couldn't agree more. I think that you're looking at it, and like, why is it so hard for coaches to break in? Because teams don't have any original thoughts. The reason why it is so hard to crack into the NHL, even if you have a track record of coaching or front office management or scouting at developmental levels in earlier leagues, how do you make the jump? And it really requires teams that are willing to cast a wide net, are willing to interview based on strategy and critical thinking and approach, rather than, hey, what did you do for the Pittsburgh Penguins back in 2002? Exactly. Exactly my thought process. That's Travis Yost on that. And it just seems like the Sabres are just going to be, and this coach is an example of it, they're just going to be another team in the NHL. There's going to be your regular old average-looking team in the NHL. that They're just going to settle for the guy who's coached before and that we've all heard of, and no one's going to go, oh, wow, big risk there. No one's going to say that. I'm sick of them being just another NHL team. Like I want some creative, some, some new original thought and execution. And I'm not seeing it. I'm hearing about culture all the time. I'm hearing about locker room. I'm hearing about accountability. And I'm not hearing about goals in the back of the net. I'm not hearing about passes out of your own end to the neutral zone on a consistent basis. I'm not hearing about zone entries. I'm not hearing about zone starts. I'm not hearing about puck possession. I'm not hearing about save percentage and high danger save percentage and low danger save percentage. We're not hearing any of it. And this coach search to me is an example of how frustrated I've been with the team. And I think a lot of people are with the team. Because I'm a hockey fan through and through, more than football. If I could pick one of the two teams that were going to be successful, if you put me in a room, or if you t- 
tied me up and made me decide, I'd pick the hockey team. And they seem like they are nowhere right now, despite the fact that they have two foundational pieces that if you had to pick any team in the league to start with two players, you'd probably pick this one. Or they would at least be in the conversation. And yet they're still nowhere. And to me, if they end up with Jacques Martin, this frustration coming out of me right now is that name, really. Because that, to me, just yells, I don't know what else to do with this coach and who to make it. So I'm going to go with the guy that I've heard of and that I know. And Jacques Martin. And that is just, oh, I'm going to be so upset, really, if they do that. And I'm not even a big proponent that coaching even matters a whole lot. Like, I think your roster should come foremost, which should be the most important thing. And I know they're not really anywhere there either. But it's just kind of, it's the symbolism of that kind of move. I would just be so disgusted if they do it. Jacques Martin, if that's where they end up. And that's who that sounds like they're the backup plan. Jeremy had a neat idea. I like his idea of uh, like a like a bridge coach to get me through to the next guy that becomes available that I actually like the idea of. Travis Yost mentioned Bruce Boudreau today. I liked him as a name actually coming into this coach search, but Minnesota didn't end up firing him. Now, I'm guessing he'll be on a short leash. The Wild have... Missed the playoffs. They will miss the playoffs this year. They've really never had any playoff success with Boudreaux there at the helm. And I think he's a really good, solid coach. And again, that's not like the originality I'm looking for. It's not the creativity I'm looking for. But at least if you're dipping into that pool over there, you're doing it with one of the bigger fish. And like that's not what's out there. They're going to end up with a minnow. It's trending towards they're going to end up with a minnow. They are a Dave Tippett no away from this entire search and this entire hiring process being a bust. I like the idea of Dave Tippett. I like him as an idea. The way he talks. He's attending analytical conferences. He's talking about his own grading systems. He gets the most out of players that aren't that, you know, the most talented guys in the world. And he's also really never had a chance to t- to coach like elite talent like the Sabres have. So I can still be optimistic that maybe he would, you know, do a good job in that area as well. Like there's some optimism on that side of that, on that hire. But the other name that is in there right now is just a microcosm to me of where this team is. And I have to think it's part of the reason Jeff Skinner's not signed yet. Because why would Jeff Skinner stay here right now? Team doesn't have a coach. He's hearing Jacques Martin's name. And he probably wants to win. The guy's never been to the playoffs. And no disrespect to the Sabres, but there's a reason that they have been, they're they're now on the longest playoff drought in the league. And players see that. Players know that. You've got players coming to the league now that probably can't even remember the Sabres in the playoffs. Can they? We got to that point with the Bills at one point. I, I got, how old's Jack Hughes? 17? Nine years old, the last time the Sabres made the playoffs. You've got guys coming into the league now that don't even remember them in the postseason, let alone winning rounds. That was 2007. Jack Hughes was five. The player the Sabres draft this year would have been five years old when the Sabres last won a playoff round. They're starting to build a rep. And to me, the way you change that 
is not by doing the same old, same old, and that is exactly the way that this coaching search is trending in my, by what I'm reading and what I'm hearing. 803 is the phone number. Like I said, we'll get into some NBA a little bit later. Uh, rookies on the field for the Bills today. We'll play back some sound. If you didn't hear Christian Wade, stay tuned for that. His accent is awesome. Also, a really good uh, look in what he's going through right now, switching from rugby to football. We'll do that in about a half hour. Want your calls now, though, on the coach search and what, how you think it's going. 803-0550 is the phone number. You can hit me up on Twitter at SneakyJoeWGR or on the text line 550-550. Sean in Lancaster, you're first up. What's up, man? I agree with you and disagree with you on a couple of things. Okay. agree with you that if Jacques Martin becomes the favorites coach, I will absolutely boycott them. <laughs> they've, got to, they've got to protest like the what was the Lakers. The Los Angeles Lakers fans had a protest today. Are you going to be protesting? Are you going to go that far? I just, I'll just stop watching them. Yeah. I, I've been a, I'm 48 years old. I've been a lifetime, lifelong fan, and I'm at a point where I'm just – I'd be absolutely disgusted if Martin became the coach. Gronberg, all he's done is develop people and win. If, if they don't, if they don't interview him, I think that's criminal. But what I think might be happening, they might be waiting for the Barleys to finish off their playoff run and possibly speak with Sheldon Keith if the if mm-hmm. If that's the case, sure. then I'm all in on that idea. Um, I guess I have to go by Elliot Friedman's word on this, which I guess can be hairy at times, so maybe he's not right on it. But I think it was Friedman that said that Keefe would not uh, leave the Mar- the uh, the Leafs organization for the Sabres. Now, if he's wrong on that and the Sabres are indeed waiting for him, then I would change my tone and then I would change my thought process because that is like a creative new I- – that's not, that's not the same old, same old coach that we've heard of a thousand times. Exactly. But one thing I disagree with you on is that coaching is important. We're seeing it now. And look at what Rod Brindamore is done with Carolina. Look what Barry Trotz did with uh, with the Islanders. And look at look at Vegas. I mean, that's all coaching. That's all bringing players up to their maximum potential, giving them opportunities to thrive in situations where they may not have been on other teams or in the past. And that's where coaching is instrumental, and that's what we need on our team because we have an unmotivated team that is just going through the motions yeah, we had a we had a fluky ten game winning streak, and we're, what are we the second team in NHL history to to have a ten game winning streak and not make the playoffs? Yes, it's just, it's just horrible. I mean, we're we're reaching epic proportions of failure, and it's just I'm at a point. Jack Martin comes in, I'm done. I, I'm, I'll follow every other team in the league, but the Sabers. Yeah, Sean, thanks for the call, man. I, I don't completely disagree with you on the. The coaching part, like I, I'm not saying that it doesn't mean anything, and I think if you have like the perfect guy in place, then it can mean drastic success or drastic improvement. I should say, kind of like what the Islanders saw under Barry Trotz. But I still think that comes secondary to who your players are. Like, was the Sabers' biggest issue? I'm not saying Housley wasn't an issue. Don't get me wrong there. But was the Sabers' biggest issue Phil Housley? He was an issue. But I'd have to say the fact that you had one centerman on the team that could really generate his own offense was a bigger problem. Or that you had two defensemen, three defensemen tops that were capable of, on a consistent basis, making a pass out of their own end. Or the fact that you had below average goaltending for 75% of the season. Like, to me, those things are first. I need to fix those things first. Not timeline-wise, you know what I mean. Like, you would put more emphasis on that. If you nail all of that, 
then it won't matter as much who your coach is. Craig Berube right now in St. Louis, like I'm sure he's doing some nice things there. He made one really good decision by benching Jake Allen for Jordan Bennington, so I'll give him credit for that. But are the Blues winning right now and they're in the conference finals because of Craig Berube? He's been around the block. He hasn't done this before. They're doing it because they've got a super well-balanced lineup. They've got a really good top four D blue line, and they've got a really good top six on the forwards. If the Sabres had the same thing, how's he might still be here? His team might be carrying him through. And I'm not going to completely disagree with you, like I said, because like you did bring up some good examples. Like Trotz, to me, isn't to me, he's a bit of an outlier, but it does happen. The Islanders had no business winning around this year with what was on their roster. But the system Trotz played and the way he utilized his young players, like Matthew Barzell, um, moving him around the lineup, giving him all the power play time in the world. When when you looked at what they did last year, they kind of didn't. And I know Tavares was there, but like there are a lot of things going on there with the Islanders that Trotz deserves a ton of credit for. But I don't see a lot of examples of, of, of that around the league. Did Colorado win around this year because Jared Bednar is their head coach or because Nathan McKinnon's one of the best players in the world and they finally got some sort of talent around him? To me, like if you had to tell me right now, you can either have... Ricard Gronberg on your team as the coach and Jeff Skinner walks in free agency or Jacques Martin's going to be your coach but Jeff Skinner's going to stay I'd take Jeff Skinner staying I don't. I, I think Martin's about the worst you could do as the coach, I'd still take Skinner staying that's just how I think about the game though it's going to matter more to me what they do with the roster but that doesn't mean like I said that this coaching search can't be looked at as a negative. It's not just that it's taken so long. It's the names that are coming out. Why do they need a guy with NHL experience? Why does that have to be a necessity? Every team in the league does that over and over. If anything, some of these guys, and I shouldn't keep using Richards because it sounds like he's not even in it, but you know his name was talked about as a guy who had interest or the Sabres had interest in before today. If anything, the only thing Todd Richards has proven is that he can't be a head coach in the league. Because he's 0 for 2. But somehow 0 for 2 is better than 0 and 0? That's my problem. I'm, like, if you boil it down and you look at the coach, the coach's time with their teams as like a win or a loss, and you look at Jacques Martin's career, like, is 2 and 5 better than 0 and 0? That's to me like... That's just how I'm thinking about it. And I'd rather have the guy with no experience. Sheldon Keefe is the guy. I'm praying that that ends up happening. It doesn't sound like it's going to. It doesn't sound like he would even come here. It doesn't sound like the Sabres are really that interested in an idea like that. But that is the idea I'm holding out hope for. And if not, it's going to be tip it or bust. Because if they find their way to tip it, however they do it, I think that could work out very well. He seems like a modern-day NHL coach that knows what he's talking about and is very bright. Bit of the new guard, if you know what I mean. Like, he will not ignore information. And he'll utilize it. So, I'm hoping that's, at this point, I think that's, I would take that right now. I think, if you could tell me right now he's going to be their head coach. Don't even care about Keith. don't even care about Gronberg, because it doesn't sound like it's going in that direction. I would sign on the dotted line right now. Sounds like it's going to be up to Tippett, though. It, 
Follow Jeremy White on Twitter. Um, if you do, his secret Twitter source, Saber source, says that Gronberg might, uh, you know, like the decision might be up to him. Like they're just kind of waiting on a decision from him. And he might be enticed to take that Seattle job. He's working in their organization. But they think they got another year before they're going to be in the NHL. So you're kind of competing against a team that doesn't even exist right now, maybe. Um, but I'm hoping that they get that done, to be honest. 803 is the phone number. Thanks, Sean, for the call. We will uh, get into the bills a little bit, and we'll keep rolling on the Sabres coach search. Hour number two, we'll talk some NBA. Kevin Durant's injury. Warriors and Rockets tonight at 9 o'clock. And I am more excited, I think, for that game than I've been for a Warriors game in at least since Durant got there, I think. We'll get into that a little bit more as we progress. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. Yeah, there was nowhere else I wanted to be rather than here, you know. Just having the relationship with the Bills at, in, in school, you know, practicing here, knowing the fans, how much they care about their team and love their team. And then, you know, I was just very excited once I talked to Coach Dorsey and Coach McDermott, and there, there was nowhere else I wanted to be. Tyree Jackson. All right. Sabres rookie, or Bills rookie minicamp, I should say, is underway. Day one was today, down at One Bills Drive. Jackson's interesting to me. I like that he's here. I like him as a kind of a long-term backup option if everything goes perfectly. Even better. You'd hope he gets, uh, if he hits that ceiling, no pun intended just because he's tall, but if he hits that ceiling, he's a guy you could trade one day. I'd like to see that. He's really, because you think about it, he is kind of the same prospect or a similar prospect. I shouldn't say the same, but he's definitely similar to what Allen was coming out of college. Big, athletic, can throw the ball over a mountain. Small school, UB for Jackson, Wyoming for Allen. There's like two differences to me that they have as prospects, and I'm I'm still dumbfounded as to why Jackson went undrafted and Allen went in the first round. I think ideally, Allen, I'm glad the Bills ended up with him, and I wouldn't have picked him there, but it, they definitely seemed to know what they were doing because he looked really good in his year one. But in my mind, Allen coming out of college should have been, just on his physical traits, like a mid to late first round pick, maybe even second round pick. So a lot of people had him as like a third round guy. And not not like teams, but like draft analysts, I should say. And Jackson was kind of like thought of the same thing, right? Like a lot of people had him in the third round. Some people had him in the second round. And then more fourth, fifth. But I don't think anyone had him undrafted. And he goes undrafted. Like, what is the major difference between Josh Allen and Tyree Jackson as a college prospect that Jackson was not drafted? It's still dumbfounding me. Like, the major difference is Allen's throwing motion is different. It's smoother. It's quicker. Should that be that much different? Because the other difference is Jackson actually puts stats up. Like, the the one critique of Allen is, like, where is the college production? How is he supposed to be good in the NFL if he wasn't that good in college? And I thought that was fair. But Jackson actually had production in college. So to me, I'm looking at Allen as an example of the Bills taking a young player at his position that maybe his college team didn't get everything out of him and then getting more out of him. And I'm wondering if they could do a similar thing with Tyree Jackson. Because Allen, to me, is proof of... You get the unpolished, athletic guy, quarterback in this case, 
out of college. You can make it work. And they made it work with him last year. So to me, I would think, hey, maybe you could do the same thing with Tyree Jackson if you ever had to. Hopefully they'll never have to um, because then that would mean Allen is going to continue to be really good. But I like that his presence is here. I like that he's here. And I'm hoping he makes the team. Preseason will be fun just just because he's here. Like, I got to watch these games till the fourth quarter. I'm sick of watching the Keith Wennings of the world and the Matt Simses, the guys that you just know, like they got no shot at making the team. And the fact that Tyree Jackson's here now, and also Peterman, who I was never a fan of, just every time he would make a great pass in preseason and I would see people talking about it on Twitter, I just, I I had to stay off of it. I I couldn't, because I didn't want to start arguing with people over preseason throws. And to me, though, Jackson being here, like that's, uh, it's going to give some excitement. Because he's going to get the most snaps, I would think. You're not going to want to play Allen very much. You already know what you got in Barkley. Tyree should play like 80% of the preseason in my mind. Just throw him out there. See what he's got. Play him as much as possible. Talked a lot about the coach search in the first segment. 803-0550 is the phone number if you want to get in on that. Um, Todd Richards is not in the race, according to John Shannon. He won't be interviewed by the Sabres. John Shannon says the leading candidates that he's heard are Dave Tippett and Jacques Martin, who I think uh, everyone we've heard from that's a Sabre fan does not like the idea of. 66 years old, been coaching since the 80s. Um, just, no, right? Does anyone want Does anyone, that's not going to inspire any hope in anyone. And it's got, the coach search has me thinking about 2019, 2020, because this is Jack Eichel's fifth year. And I'd be pretty frustrated if I'm Jack Eichel. And I think he definitely is. Guy wants to win. The guy wants to show off in the playoffs, I'm, I think. Nathan McKinnon, coming out party this year for Nathan McKinnon in the playoffs. I've thought he's one of the best players in the league for years. I've thought he's the second best player in the league for a couple of years now. And I think maybe like that take maybe gained some traction in these playoffs, how good he was. And you want Jack Eichel to be on to be showcased like that. But he can't they can't even get close. Darlene here, he, if, if they keep going on this track, he'll have to be some kind of great for them to be a playoff team. I think he actually could be that. When I'm talking like some kind of great, I'm thinking like consistent Norris winner, or at least in the conversation. Like year after year after year. Not even a guy that'll win it once or twice in his career, but like a guy that piles up like seven, eight Norris trophies. I think his ceiling might be that high. Now, that's going to be a lot to ask out of a 19-year-old. I think they're going to ask more out of him as a 19-year-old. But I, you just don't want to see the Sabres just sitting here saying, oh, we'll wait for Darlene to get super, super good, and then we'll be good. Because Eichel's going into year five. That contract started. And I'm someone that thinks very far into the future. And if Eichel gets to a point in his career where this just isn't working here. You you don't want there to ever be an end. But they got to pick it up or else there will be. I don't even want to talk about it to be honest, but like the, it's the more is on the line than just next season and who the next GM is. Like Bottrell's job and whoever the next head coach is. Like more is on the line there. You've got young players in your organization that you got to start showing up for that you got to start building around because not only are they going to start to question why they're here, but who else is going to come join them 
Why would they even sell you on coming to join them? Other, other than just pure desperation. You're five for Eichel. This is not going the way I think all, all of us thought. Remember the tank? Remember wanting to finish in last place because it wasn't just about the playoffs? It was about winning the Stanley Cup, and I fully, and to this day, and always will, think that that was the right thing for the Buffalo Sabres to do, and I was yelling a lot about creative and original thoughts in the last segment. That was that. No other team in sports, other than the 76ers that I've seen, has really made a committed effort to do what the Sabres did. And that was original. And that took bravery. And they did it. But remember why they did it? Remember why we wanted them to do it? We wanted them to do it because we were sick of just fighting for the playoffs. We were sick of fighting for the 7-8 and seed. We wanted to be a consistent cup contender. And Eichel or McDavid was going to represent that. Like You didn't have to do a whole lot else if you had those guys. And what's funny is both teams that ended up with them, the Oilers and the Sabres, have not done that whole lot else. The bar shouldn't be that high when you have for the rest of your team when you have two foundational players like they do in Eichel and Darlene. You shouldn't have to do that good. You got to do okay. Just get a couple 20-goal scorers. You don't need six or seven like Tampa and be a super team. Just give me like three. Give me a goalie that's middle of the road in uh, save percentage. Give me an average D. Give me some average defensemen. And a decent prospect pipeline. A good coach. I don't need to be great at all of those things if I've got those guys. And that really, I think, highlights how bad they've been. Because they haven't had an average defense core. They've had a bad blue line for years. They've had a bad group of secondary scores for years. Really, if you and they've had bad coaching for years. Really, the two things you might look at and say, hey, they were actually decent in these two areas was like your top end scoring at forward because Kane, for whatever he was, was always going to put pucks in the back of the net. O'Reilly, for whatever his character issues you thought he had, he was always going to give you 60, 70 points. And goaltending, Robin Leonard had one bad year here last year, save percentage-wise. Otherwise, he was about middle of the road as a goaltender, and that's what they should have been trying to get, not with a first-round pick, but what they should have been trying to get for the first few years of Eichel's career at the very least. Like a discount-rated goaltender that can get me middle-of-the-road goaltending. And now we're sitting here, and what do they have? What's going to inspire hope in people? Skinner signing, that's a lot of pressure. They've got to get that done in my mind, because if you don't, then you got to do something else to make up for it. And I'm not so confident sitting here today, watching all these coaches, if they if it's true that they are passing on the Sabres, like Quenville did, uh, Sheldon Keefe may have, it's reported that he will, maybe Dave Tippett will end up passing on them. Like To me, going through this coach search, it's got me thinking, hey, you can't just bank on the Sabres being able to convince all-star level players to come play here if Skinner doesn't sign. Like, Matt Duchesne, in my mind, would would, uh, would make up for that to at least some extent. But how can you have any confidence that you'll be able to land Matt Duchesne, even if you think it's the bad, whether you think it's a good idea or not? Or an Eric Carlson. Some people are dreaming and think Eric Carlson could come here. 
Like, I don't see how you're able to pull something like that off. You're just not in that spot. And those are the kind of big moves that you would need to kind of offset losing Skinner. That's why I think you got to keep them. I just don't see how they offset it. I don't see how they pull it off other than a trade. Travis Yost mentioned Subban today. That's in that. That's an idea. I kind of think if he gets traded, he's going to end up in Pittsburgh. A Subban for Malkin deal is super enticing, I think, for both sides. I wonder if that'll happen. Andrew Filipponi, formerly of our station in Pittsburgh, thinks that that's something that could be out there. Um, I don't. I don't see the move. I don't. What is the move? Is it Subban? Goaltender, like, are they going to do anything there? They're probably not going to. I don't know what you do if you don't sign Skinner, because otherwise I think we're all going to be pretty down going into next season. It's trending that way. And that sucks. You don't want to be down heading into the season. Usually that happens by, you know, November, but we at least get a month of optimism, no? It's frustrating times to be a Sabre fan. The Bills are the optimistic team right now. That's a weird one, at least for me. It's very rare that's happened in my lifetime, that the Bills are the team that everyone's optimistic about. And I'm pretty optimistic about them, but not super optimistic, but definitely more so than uh, than the hockey team, that's for sure. 803 is the phone number. We'll start to transition into the Bills when we come back. Christian Wade, the English running back who is a former rugby player. He's got a sweet accent. If you missed his interview with uh, Sal earlier today, it was super good. We're going to play that back. It's not too long, but we'll play that back uh, when we come back, talking about his transition from rugby to the NFL. That's after this. It's the night, And then Nate Geary at 8 o'clock talking some NBA. So the nightcap with Jody Biasi here on WGR. Welcome back to the nightcap. We're going to get to Christian Wade, former rugby player, and now Bill's running back in just a second. Interesting. I just saw a picture on was it Instagram? Instagram from a bunch of the Bills rookies. I think it was their dra- the draft class. All the guys from the draft class. And in the bottom right corner is the little sixty logo. And I forgot about that. It's the Bills' sixtieth anniversary. I forgot that Kim Pagula said that the Sabers would be celebrating their fiftieth anniversary, and the Bills would be celebrating their sixtieth anniversary this year. And that logo and the picture reminded me of it. Um, and that's this is more of a saber point, I guess, because I don't think the Bills are going to do anything super, super special for uh, for a 60th anniversary. But I wonder if the Sabers might unveil any kind of uh, new jerseys to the draft or anything. The Oilers did that a couple years back when they drafted McDavid. Actually, they unveiled their orange home jersey with the McDavid pick. So I wonder if the Sabers would do anything like that with uh, with seven overall. Just thought had that thought. Christian Wade now. With Sal, down at One Bills Drive earlier today, his first day of rookie minicamp. His first day also, I think he says here, playing against a defense in football, not just open air. Here's Christian Wade. All right, well, you're a, a guy that everybody's kind of intrigued about out here, and, you know, what, you, what you're doing. What do you think of your first day out here playing professional football? Man, I'm excited, man. I've just been doing, we've been training the voluntary, um, just like training practice and stuff, so we've been able to, go through the plays and like walk through them and stuff but with no defense so I was looking forward to this the first time I had like a defense in front of me able to like see how everything unfolds and stuff so I'm out there like a big kid man <laughs> yeah yeah what's the um what's a, a a positive adjustment something that you know hey I got this from rugby this is good for me and what's something that you know you really didn't get in rugby that you're gonna have to learn 
Um, I think just my ability to like find space and like beat men, like one on one. That's the aspect. Like even from this first training session there, I'm doing stuff and running back. Like, oh, did I do well? They're like, yeah, good stuff. Like, but because I don't understand how it kind of. Uh, if I'm doing stuff, I don't know what's wrong, what's right. All I know is how to find space, how to beat men. But obviously that's translating over and they're saying that, yeah, you're doing a good job and like nice route and you got separation and all that. All these new terminologies that I'm hearing is, is good things. So um, that's definitely something that I'm, I've brought across, I guess. And then the new things will be like having to learn the playbook, mm -hmm. knowing where to line up. And obviously there's loads of different terminologies that I'm having to learn. That's basically what the playbook is, it's just a new language to tell everyone where to go and what to do so that's definitely something that's brand new to me um along with like protecting the quarterback like those like all the blocking and stuff that's illegal in rugby so that's new here i still haven't been exposed to like real blocking yet but um i understand the concept of like um protecting the quarterback and trying to identify the who's coming off the, off the edge or through the middle and stuff so yeah man it's, it's just for me it's just exciting books? do you have playbooks in rugby Nah, well, we, we kind of do, but because the game's like a uh, running clock of 80 minutes mm -hmm. um, and it's just f continuous flow, it's probably like 20% of the game is what we call set piece, which is basically the equivalent of like a, a snap in, uh, in in football. So off that set piece, we'll have like a, a play that will say, like, this is the call and everyone knows what to do. But it's not like a long, it's not really a long sentence. It's just like something like yellow gun CD. So yellow will mean... This the area of field we're going to gun with me. You've got these boys coming round, and then CD means um, counter direction. So just change directions. It's very basic. It's probably almost like a bit like college college football, where there's not a lot to say, but everyone knows what they're supposed to do. So, but that's only 20% of the game. So for me, it's now coming coming into football. It's like 100% of the game where everything's plays, and that small section of what I'm used to being the big part of it is now just a small bit. But even you know? in a NFL. Huddle, you're only responsible for hearing a certain part of it for the running back. You have to get used to that, yeah. right? You, there, yeah. There's all these words, but for you, yeah. you only have to concentrate on maybe five or six words, right? Yeah, so that's the obviously the the thing that was, I guess, um, what's the word? <laughs> you know, it was kind of like a, a sigh of relief. Yes. That I didn't need to know everything that was going on, you know? So, like, when obviously when I didn't really know much about the playbooks and stuff and I heard the quarterback saying, like, a whole talking a whole story <laughs> um, or a whole long sentence now I know obviously that like, I'm listening for certain parts like what's the formation I'm standing here what's the protection and then if there's a route I know what I'm doing if there isn't a route then I've got usually like a something else that I should be doing you know so yeah Christian what did you know about American football before this process started for you um, just very basic stuff like obviously you're trying to get first down and trying to score a touchdown which is six points and then you get an extra point and just a very like very basic stuff um obviously every day i'm learning new things now obviously like the whole all the plays learning about how the defense works like coverages and the positions and just also there's there's so many things like every day that i'm here i'm learning something new and it's just like i said i feel like a big kid just first day at school kind of thing you know just like excited to learn and um excited to get involved and just better myself and help the team in, in whatever way I can. Did you watch the NFL ever? You know about teams, things like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched NFL, seen Super Bowls and stuff. Um, we've obviously had the, the privilege of NFL UK mm -hmm. being a big thing now in the London series. So we have, I think it's like four, four to six games in London now as well. So I've been to quite a few of those games. So, yeah, I've definitely been like a fan from afar, you know, because it's American football. They really play it in America and... Same with the the college system, how people get into the NFL. It's all over this side of the world. So, 
um, yeah, I've been been a, been a fan from afar. What's it been like uh, being in a room with uh, LaShawn McCoy, Frank Gore, two, two real legends of the game? Yeah. Um, just kind of what's that experience yeah. been like for you? Oh, man, that, just the whole team and like being being a part of like a running back room with those two like legends in the in the room, just I feel like a massive privilege. Those guys obviously been it, done it for, for many years. Um, they're both real humble guys as well. I have no, no issue with like having a joke and a laugh with them and also they help me out on the field um, just helping me telling me what I need to do here or what, what little things that they've seen in my game from rugby that we can kind of translate over here as well so yeah I just feel massively privileged and um, just excited to learn every day and what do you think of uh, Tottenham's big win on uh, <laughs> most important hey man that was, it was a big win and um, I think uh, I watched a little bit but we was training man uh, and I'm, I'm, to be honest I haven't had much time to do anything <laughs> else apart from learn the playbook man yeah there's Christian Wade. You can listen to the rest of the rookies, including Tyree, not all of them, but most of them, or at least a good amount. Tyree Jackson, Ed Oliver, uh, Devin Singletary, David Sills. Devin, it is David Sills. I almost messed myself up. David Sills, West Virginia wide receiver. Sweeney, the tight end. Cody Ford. If you want to listen to any of them, they're all on demand at WGR550.com and the radio.com app. We'll take a timeout now, and we will talk some NBA next with Nate Geary. A little Bill sprinkled in as well, and maybe I'm sure we'll mention soccer because me and uh, they talked about Tottenham there at the end with Christian Wade. Me and Nate are both uh, big Liverpool fans, and uh, we are we are definitely getting to a big day Sunday, Championship Sunday in the Premier League. Uh, so I'm sure we will bring that up, even though it probably won't be intentional. It's the Nightcap, Jody Biasi, hour number two next here on WGR. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.